Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In today's episode, I have a good friend of mine, Andrea Nightingale, who's also a chef, and her company is called Mortar Pestle Cooking. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Matthew. And welcome to my podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here. Good. I'm glad you're thrilled. I'm thrilled to have you as well. And Andrea and I have known each other for quite a while. We work together and we share a passion for food and for wine, and especially when the two are together. And that's why Andrea is here today to talk about food and pairing with wine. And so we'll start by talking about some of the concepts of food and wine pairing. So there are two different approaches, I think, contrasting and complementing flavours and texture and profile. So complementing could be red wine with meat, kind of classic dishes and classic pairings, white wine with uh, fish, high acid food with a high acid wine. Whereas contrasting could be putting together different flavours or having a high acid uh, food with low acid wine, like Viognier with fish, for instance. What's your approach, Andre? So I I think both approaches are, um, you know, are appropriate. And generally, if I have the opportunity to taste the wine first, I'm looking for the structure of the wine. Um, in terms of acid and tannin. And I let that really be the guiding factor for me to decide um, what kind of food to pair with it. And generally I would like, you know, if it's a high acid wine, I'm looking for to, to make a dish that has, um, that's going to match that, but be a little bit lower so that the, the wine itself doesn't end up tasting flat. But something else that I always um, am looking for is um, the different sort of characteristics in the wine that jump out to me. So those might come from some of the fruit or the maybe the non-fruit characteristics. And I'll often incorporate different spices and herbs in order to speak to those elements. Um, and then also for the tannin structure, if the wine is particularly astringent, I'll think about adding some fat, salt, and protein to that in order to really soften those tannins. Um, so one of the things that you're really emphasizing there is the structure of the wine. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when pairing food and wine, think about flavors, that the flavors of the wine must match the flavors of the food. But really, that's going to be impossible a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So we're really talking about tannins and acidity. And what kind of foods um, have high acidity, would you say? <clears throat> well, citrus, particularly in California, is um, citrus is an ingredient that I use um as close to year-round as possible, either in a preserved format more in the summertime or fresh in the winter. Um, vinegars are a great ingredient. If, if I have a dish and I feel like it's just lacking a little bit of, of, um, of glimmer and it needs to brighten up, then I can always add that to it as well. And often that will help speak to the wine in a way if, if the acidity is too low in the dish, um, I'll look, I'll look to bring it up to match the wine a little bit better so that neither one gets lost. Mm-hmm. And what about wines with um, high tannins? What, what kind of food would you pair with those? <clears throat> I always look for um, protein, salt, and fat. So even for vegetarian, I'll typically go to beans um, and Rancho Gordo makes, uh, or they grow a lot of different kinds of beans that I like to use and you can braise those. Um, so even your vegetarian and vegan friends can have delicious, hearty meals that go with their big Cabernets and, and high tannic wines. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, I think the classic would be like steak. And then I always think about, again, sort of going back to the structure of the tannins, if they're 
rough or silky the way that I prepare that meat. So I might opt to grill it or do a pan sear on it in a cast iron skillet, or maybe I want it to be a little bit more gentle and I might do a butter basting or something. So I don't want a really intense crust on that meat to go with a softer wine. I would prefer it to sort of match the rusticity of a of a more intensely tannic wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're talking about obviously when you prepare food. What about when you're in a restaurant? What do you look at first, the menu or the wine list? Mm. I think it depends on if I go in thinking I want a glass of Beaujolais tonight or <laughs> or mm-hmm. you know if I know exactly what I want to drink that night or not. If I if there's a wine that I really am in the mood for, then I'll I'll look through the menu and then I'll I'll pair my dish according to that and and again I'll be thinking about you know what's the weight of this wine what's the acidity is it going to be able to um, to match the dish that I have so for example if I if I felt like drinking a Cru Beaujolais and there was a lovely one on the um, on the on the wine list then I would look through the menu and I would look for maybe maybe duck um, maybe salmon um, something that's not really heavy or intensely spiced but not something that's very delicate either so kind of like in the middle ground would match the acidity and and the tannin structure for that wine if i wanted like a malbec or a cabernet sauvignon i probably go down more into the steak section and if i was looking for a more delicate fish or something more spicy then i would go more into the higher acid or the sparkling wines mm-hmm. yeah i'm I always look at the wine list first, and if the waiter doesn't bring the wine list, I get very strong. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> um, but there may be different ways that I look at the wine list, maybe a specific wine where I'm like, yes, I have to have this wine, and then I go to the menu and see what there is that I can pair with it. Or there may be three or four wines that look interesting, and then mm-hmm. I look at the menu and say, ah, there's this dish I want. Let's go back to the wine list and pick mm-hmm. which of those wines um, works. But it's really, really important for me and for you, I think, that the food and the wine go well together, that they enhance each other. Because um, food on its own is great, wine on its own is great, but the two together really enhance the experience. And that's what we're here to discuss. Um, So let's talk about Chardonnay. So Chardonnay is planted all around the world. It's very versatile. It can be grown in different climates. So it's a good uh, grape to focus on on different food pairings with different types of Chardonnay. It's also quite a neutral grape variety, which means that in the winery, a winemaker can kind of work with Chardonnay to make the style that they like. It also means that in the in the kitchen we can work with Chardonnay and have lots of different options. So let's look at Chardonnay grown in cool, moderate and warm climates and the different foods that we might pair with those types of wine. So for instance, Chablis, that's the classic cool climate Chardonnay, high acidity, not aromatic, maybe some green apples, citrus aromas, but really sharp and lean and taut and linear. What do you pair with Chablis? To me, I always get a little bit of lime off of Chablis, so I love to throw in some lime zest um, or something that has that that sort of linear level of acidity to it. I think um, like a ceviche or a crudo fish is really lovely, maybe with a little green apple and some citrus and um, maybe some fresh mint or oregano. Um, something That's orig- oregano for British listeners. Yes, pardon, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> oregano. <laughs> But I find that when you have such an intensely high acid wine like that pairing, um, a dish with more delicate aromat- uh, and more delicate sort of aromatic characteristics um, works really nicely together because there's not a fight 
between what the wine is bringing to the table and what the food is bringing to the table. So that's Chablis with the high acid, really lean profile. Then we go slightly further south to the to Burgundy, where the wines are going to be richer. So it's a warmer climate, moderate climate, uh, still going to have fresh acidity, but you're going to have the malolactic fermentation aromas very clear, so dairy aromas, and also the use of oak is quite common, especially for the higher end wines. So richer, fuller bodied style of Chardonnay. What would you pair with, let's say, Merceau or Poligny Montrachet? I think um, bringing a little bit of spice element, um, not a heat spice, but one like a baking spice into the mix once you get to these regions is appropriate. Um, I love stone fruit as well. I would think Chablis maybe more for um, apricot and the early spring type of stone fruit and then I'm going more into summertime when I hit um, like Merceau. Even just like a simple, um, you know, like peach and burrata salad where you marinate the peaches with a little bit of cardamom. Um, and maybe some lemon olive oil to bring a richness to the dish. Um, I, I, I really like very simple flavors and simple foods, but I think um, if you wanted also fish is really nice, like a halibut would be lovely in a um, brown butter sauce. Um, it'd be a little bit more rich, but I think would pair really nicely. Um, one thing I learned when I was a winery chef um, was, and I was pairing I was tasting the wines and then creating menus to go and showcase those wines. Um, I really learned that different baking spices in your foods can um, speak to any wine as long as there's been an oak treatment on it. And so it's a little trick that I use and it always tends to bring out really interesting characters in the wine and the food and it's a great way to sort of bridge the gap between the two of them. So things like nutmeg, um, even pink peppercorn, cinnamon, um, cardamom is a favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're talking about a lot of complementary flavors there. Yes. Baking spices coming from the oak, but having those in the food as well, so they really uh, marry together, as it were. So you were a, a winery chef here in California. Yes. So let's talk about California Chardonnay, where the climate is generally going to be warmer than Burgundy, and so you have less acidity and even richer flavors. Mm -hmm. Uh, what would you pair with California Chardonnay? How would that differ from uh, Burgundy? I think the acidity is the is the primary thing that I'm thinking about as being different from a, a Chardonnay from California than from Burgundy or, or Chablis. And then also the oak <clears throat> treatment is often a lot more intense in in, Chard in um, California. So I'm I'm looking to lower the acidity on my dishes or at least be very careful. I might prepare them with a bit of a lower acidity if I haven't had the opportunity to taste the wine and then bringing a little um, like a sherry vinegar or something that's a bit of a softer vinegar um, or even just a little lemon juice with me so that I can put that on at the last minute if I feel like the dish needs to come up in its acidity to match with the wine a little bit better. I'm getting hungry talking <laughs> about all these dishes which all sound delicious. Um, so thinking about the restaurant experience again, um, usually in a restaurant you're with someone else mm -hmm. and so finding a wine which pairs with different dishes is key. Um, I was at a restaurant on Saturday, I had a delicious meal with my wife and two friends. So there's four of us, we had to find a bottle of wine which matched all the different dishes which we were having. I had a beef wellington, my wife had a risotto with asparagus, our friends had a pizza and a watermelon salad. So it's like what mm -hmm. goes with all these different foods and so of course I chose Gamay. Interest I, I approve. Yes. <laughs> Interestingly, a Gamay from Italy, from Valle d'Aosta, on the Italy-France-Alpine border. 
So it was also the geekiness of that which appealed to me. But it went so well with all the different dishes. And that's what we're going to talk about specifically now, because we have a bottle of Beaujolais from Julianas, which is one of my favourite crew in Beaujolais, because it marries kind of the freshness of Fleury and the weight of Morgan or Moulin Avance. It's really in the middle. And I think Beaujolais and Gamay in general just goes with so much food. Mm -hmm. So what um, food have you prepared to go with the Beaujolais? So today I have brought something very simple that all of you can recreate at home very easily. Um, and it is a play on one of my all-time favorite snacks, which is peanut butter and jelly. And since Matthew is not originally from this country, I'm not sure where he stands on PB&Js, but I felt like, you know, this was a good opportunity for him to eat more. Yes, I, I am not a fan, I have to say. <laughs> Fantastic. The, the US obsession with peanut butter is just bizarre to me. But let's experiment. <laughs> let's, so this is, it's not peanut butter, to be fair, it is walnut butter. So I toasted the walnuts. Um, I added a little Chinese five spice, just a very subtle little bit, some sea salt. And then we have um, a little walnut oil. So you toast the walnuts and then you basically just puree them with, um, with some walnut oil or olive oil or any neutral oil, but not water. And that's it and it's and it's very simple and then i have some fresh strawberries and cherries here because um it's just the second day of summer and um and the, so one of the things that you concentrate on in your cooking is seasonal flavor seasonal ingredients isn't it, it is absolutely we are very fortunate to live in a place that grows absolutely stunning produce year-round and there are a lot of farmers who are dedicated to really high quality produce growing and um, and farming responsibly. And so I love to support them whenever I have the opportunity. It's funny, I was in Austria the end of April, beginning of May, and every dish had white asparagus in it. Mm. Just every menu. And it's so fresh and so just, it was gorgeous. But you're kind of like, really? Every dish has to have white asparagus in it. And then I learned when I got back here in California that there's actually a rule in Austria that you cannot sell white asparagus beyond a certain date. It has to be fresh and seasonal. Mm. So that's why everyone's putting white asparagus in their dishes, because they have to eat it at that it. period. So it's a bit kind of stringent. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I applaud the kind of concept that it has to be seasonal, because mm. that's when it's at its best. Yeah. It's a celebration of the fleeting things in life, I think, which I like. Mm -hmm. um, so the strawberries and cherries are mer um, they're macerated with a, just a little bit of cane sugar, some lime juice to balance the sweetness, and then cardamom and dries, dried rose petals. And I see we have a baguette. You do. It's actually an epi baguette, which they are my favorite because they're really fun because you get to just tear each little piece away, and um, and everybody gets their own little mini mini baguette mm -hmm. baguette. <laughs> Yeah, there's an argument to be made that baguettes are the greatest thing in the world. Where do you stand on that? I would make that argument. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so Andrea has prepared um, a quite delicious looking dish with the epi baguette spread with walnut butter and then strawberries on top. And she's also sprinkled some cardamom dust, which is a nice little touch, just adding an extra element. And we've just tried it with the uh, Beaujolais, the Julianas. So the Julie, what, when doing this, taste the wine first, then have the food and then taste the wine again to see what difference um, it has made. So the wine itself has lots of red fruits, um, high acidity, uh, slightly gripping tannins, but not, not really noticeable. No. And it's just a really fresh, fruity, but some real depth of flavour to the wine. 
And then trying the food, so I, what I got from it, the strawberries really dominate, really fresh and juicy. The walnut butter's not as strong a flavour as I thought it would. And then of course you have the fantastic bread underneath that. And that cardamom dust just gives us that like, sprinkling of, I don't want to say dirt, but it's that kind of mm-hmm. granular texture. Mm-hmm. And what it does to the wine, I think the, the strawberries really come through even more so in the wine. and mm-hmm. makes the wine fruitier and, and softer. And the cardamom dust works, it kind of adds to the tannic grip mm-hmm. of the wine. What's your um, experience with this pairing, Andrea? I I agree with you, Matthew. I think that the um, for me, I was really left with a lot of that pretty red fruit, um, very clean and delicate. Um, I think the cardamom speaks to um, that sort of aromatic character in the wine, and it and brings that out a little bit. For me, the walnut butter was was kind of neutral. I think it has this. Um, weight to it that actually matches with the the tannic weight of the wine and so they just sort of were on the same level i don't know that they particularly enhanced nor degraded either either one and then the bread is just a lovely carrier you know carrier i think it's always interesting you know when you make it you prepare a dish if you haven't quite tasted that wine you have this idea about you know what you think the wine is going to be and um it's always uh you know, it's always fun to try them together and, and see what happens. But ultimately, I think if, if there's some element that comes out that may in both the wine and the food, I think that that's really what makes it interesting and fun. Yeah. And what was interesting about this is that you prepared the dish, just bread, walnut butter and strawberries, tried it with the wine. And then you thought, actually, this needs the cardamom dust on top. And it did make a difference. So obviously trying the food with the wine you just like, hey, it needs just needs one more ingredient to make it work perfectly. Mm. Trying the two together is what is how you're going to perfect the pairing. So, and what I like about this dish as well is really simple. It's just bread, walnut butter, and strawberries. Anyone can make this, but it's really unusual as well. I never would have come up with this dish and these pairings, mm. but they work really well together because the strawberries are so fresh. Mm. And I actually like the fact the walnut butter isn't too walnutty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's enough nuttiness in this room already. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) So thank you for pairing that dish. Thank you for letting me pair it. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Andrea and I are working together on a dining series called Ground Up. Woo! And this is a series which is inspired by great regions of the world, and we pair wines and food together. And so we have an upcoming event. When is that, Andrea? That is July 14th, Bastille Day. And this is going to be a celebration of all things French, especially food and wine. It's going to be held in Sonoma, California, at Chateau Sonoma, which is a French antique store, which is, like us, is inspired by all things French. And so for this meal, we're going to be pairing wines from Champagne, Alsace, Burgundy, Provence, Sautern, and a fortified wine from Roussillon. And this is all going to be paired with some amazing food that Andrea has prepared. And delicious wines that Matthew has chosen. And so just go to Chateau Sonoma's website. It's online, easy to find. You'll see the menu and you'll see how to buy tickets.